0: July, June, June, not, June? June 9th June 9th 2020 2:02 p.m. Eastern Time Paul Wickham joining me today as America is a little less on fire that's been the opening for the last couple episodes is America is on fire I feel like it's a, a little less on fire there's one of my favorite comedians is Duncan Trussell it's more of like a philosopher than a comedian but I remember he had a tweet back in like 2015 and it was some poor phoneless fool somewhere sitting under a waterfall, watching a sunset, not knowing how scared and angry he should be. And yeah. <laughs> that every once in a while I'll come across. And I, I came across it earlier today for the first time in like a year or two. And every time I come across it, there's always just this like, how much insanity am I importing into my head? And then how much is really going around? And I look around and it's, neighbors little girls running around on a lawn bird chirping sun hitting the green leaves and it's like oh wait i'm in shangri-la all this insanity i'm actively bringing into my life so because of that i haven't really been watching the news so i actually don't know whether or not america is still on fire
1: (laughs) well it's still smoldering at the very least yeah
0: yeah you're you're out for everyone tuning in for the first time this is my friend paul woodcomb He's a brilliant individual helped kill john wayne gacy in a way and uh he is he and i share a ton of the same interests and we've been uh going back and forth with books and by that i mean i've had him reading books that i've read and i'm gonna let him choose the next one but we've been discussing books we discussed operation paperclip by annie jacobson a couple weeks ago last week we talked about the riots and uh Today we're going to talk about Raven Rock by Garrett M. Graff, which is my favorite book. But before we jump into that, you're outside Chicago. And the last time we talked about this, you said the National Guard was mobilizing, but they haven't got the go-ahead to go in. What's changed?
1: Well, the protests have calmed down. and had gotten to the point where the National Guard was mobilized outside of the city the mayor and the governor were telling the president to go to hell. They've got control of it. And the, the protests have died down. But at the same time, last weekend, Chicago suffered its most deadly weekend in 60 years. I saw that. And the mayor and the governor think they've got a handle on it. But I would say that's not true for the 80 people that were shot over the weekend. It's it's a terrible terrible problem and here we've got people all across the country crying to defund the police including people in chicago and they can't even get control of their own streets
0: yeah that's um yeah i I saw that do you ever check your phone in the middle of the night i'm terrible about it and i do and i I forget i do but as soon as you said that i was like where did i look that up how did i know that and it's two in the morning god go to the bathroom check and i saw yeah it was like yeah more it was like more men killed this weekend than by police it was some it was worded in some way someone obviously had an agenda i don't remember what it was but what was it It was something like how many men what and it was this just riots or was this just
1: oh no this was just part of the course chicago violence i think there were 86 shootings and. 26 people killed. Jesus. Um, it's it's a, a serious, serious problem. And you're talking about one of the cities with the strictest gun control laws in the nation. Hmm. And yet, these people get a hold of guns and they are killing each other.
0: Yeah. It's, yeah. But that doesn't come up in the news ever. It's just...
1: oh. It doesn't serve the interest of the people who are holding the strings of power.
0: It, oh, yeah. No, it's – yeah, to that, it's just – yeah, it's, that's not important. We don't need that. But it's – yeah, 26 people killed. But it never never pops up. There's no riots. There's no
1: – Just another weekend in Chicago.
0: Yeah, just – yeah. and I, I mean, is it good or is it bad there are no riots over that? Because more riots aren't better, period. <laughs> but it's well, –
1: no, you're right, but what if that kind of violence took place in your neighborhood or my neighborhood?
0: Oh, they'd have the SWAT team here.
1: It, that's exactly right. Maybe yes, the National Guard would be there, standing yeah. on every corner. But our mayor in Chicago literally told Trump, "F you."
0: You gotta get those political brownie points. It's I you gotta so. you gotta you gotta cater to. You had to cater to those who think will vote you in in all of my political genius because I've held office so many times but it's so the first thing I thought about with um when all these riots were kicking off but also kind of with coronavirus was I remember I was texting my friend in Atlanta and and I kind of said just like an offhand comment I was like. Well, the good thing is, is we know continuity of government is in full swing.
1: There you are.
0: And he's very intelligent. He, he's much more he is much more intelligent than I am. I want to get him on my podcast. But I remember he was like, he was like, "What? what is that? And I was like, continuity of government, you know it's going to be in full swing. And he was like, he like stopped what he was doing. He was like, what's going on? He thought like something horrible was happening.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so like I shill to everyone in almost every episode and i was like read this book raven rock by garrett m Graff. the u.s right. government's plan to save itself while the rest of us die but raven rock is one of the complexes of what appears to be hundreds it's raven rock the most famous ones are raven rock um cheyenne mountain norad um and mount <clears throat> weather as well as the bunker under the white house but there are hundreds of bunkers that began technically began under fdr but really got into full swing under eisenhower and jfk um but there are just like there's defcon you know defcon 5 is pure peace defcon 1 is global thermonuclear war i think we went to defcon 3 on 9 11. i think so that's just put it in perspective and that is what is it, defense defense condition. Defense condition okay it's basically readiness it's like yes. it's um new year's new york city they bring they bust in like 25,000 cops it's you could say that that is like a, a way of defcon like nothing's happened but we just want to you know we want to have have everything ready and but there's cogcon cog continuity of government and that is much more secretive but there are tiers of continuity of government readiness and it can be it's it's I would say it probably mirrors DEFCON. It's five would be, you know, hunky dory. One would be the president's probably dead. Who's next? And you have you have the successors to really every office imaginable. This thing has been fleshed out since the 40s. It's but you as as situations get more and more dangerous and existential. They start going from like checking in on to, let's say, the the third in line successor of the Treasury for the state of Georgia maybe checks in once a month as the COG CON levels go lower. It's it could be every week. It could be every day um, to the point of, I mean, down when it gets to like COGCON two or one, it, it goes from you have to let them know where you are at like 9 a.m., and when it gets down to one, they'll actually know. Like in the higher levels, they won't just know your lo- they will know your location at all times. Like when it gets to like the head of the government, it'll be like, "All right, the Secretary of Defense is—he's um—he's currently moving down the hallway to the restroom." Like that is how it gets to a point where it's—I mean, you um, yeah, almost like Harry Potter, like the that the, the map they have where it shows everyone moving around. It gets to that where they start to, "Here he is! Here he is!" It's almost like everyone. You could almost say everyone starts to slowly get closer to like presidential secret service care. That's a better way of looking at it. They start to really know where is everyone, who's at home, where are your children. And as this goes on, you start to they know where everyone is. And they also they're starting to look at places of where the, where are they going to drop this helicopter to grab you. They have all these sites around D.C., not helipads, but makeshift areas that are hidden in plain sight the end zone of a football field the roof of a woman's dormitory a parking lot outside of a costco whatever and that's where you're going to be evacuated to and and very few people have their uh they are i think they're just these like cards gold cards you get on the helicopter you go to the nearest bunker survive the the heat pulse of thermonuclear war and save the government and democracy from being obliterated but i just remember thinking that whole explanation of corona- coronavirus as you know it wasn't normal it's airports are shut down march madness canceled olympics delayed there starts to be that general you know almost the you could say the hair the hairs on the on the national back of the necks of the people you could say metaphorically start to rise and it's thinking of that i just remember thinking because i i've started listening to raven rock i think the first time early in 2019 and I, i'm not kidding i've listened to it through cover to cover probably full cover to cover probably 20 times I'm not kidding mm-hmm. and I just thought wow I was like coronavirus I was like this is not like this is the world's coming down I just thought oh man I bet CogCon's going into full swing I bet I bet they're, they have some bunkers that are kept ready to go 24-7 they have other ones that are just like you know go check on them every 30 days go make sure the AC works go make sure that the reservoir hasn't leaked whatever But as COGCON lowers, you start to move people into them. You start moving security in. You start moving chefs in there and doctors. You start literally updating people's prescriptions that are stored there. And you're getting ready for, is shit going to hit the fan? Um, So to end that rant, Paul, I know I've just berated you with with a verbal onslaught. my computer's heating up. I'm going to turn on the little fan. Let me know if it, if you can hear it, because you shouldn't be able to hear it. Can you hear that? No. Beautiful. Um, so, at the end of that rant, it's... As coronavirus started, I was like, oh, I bet continuity of government's starting to flow in motion. And forgetting that not everyone else is obsessed with this book, I naturally texted a friend and was like, don't worry, continuity of government's going. To him, that just sounded like... <laughs> What do you mean? Is there is there a meteor? And I was like, oh shit. And yeah. I've I've tried to get so many people to read this book and talk to it with about it with me. No one has. Paul has finally indulged me. So uh, yeah. So with the well, right you're
1: really, you absolutely right. I mean when the when the USS Roosevelt got hit with the virus i don't think that we got a lot of press on it but i think the government was very concerned that the chinese were going to take advantage sure of the situation and move into the south china sea or take hong kong or taiwan sure i think they were very concerned and with our forward-based aircraft carrier incapacitated like that i think even though it wasn't in the press the the very thought of the continuity of government was very real during this time because we really were caught with our britches down.
0: Yeah, it, excuse me. Yeah, and that's something they kind of talk about in Raven Rock, though, is this isn't something you publicize. No. COGCON is very below the radar. DEFCON is, well, it's, it's a lot harder to hide the movement of aircraft carriers cargo planes thousands of troops tanks from satellites you can't really hide them defcon's a little more out in the open and probably that might be even built into it let them know we're moving to defcon let them know that you know we're rolling up our sleeves and putting the yes. brass knuckles on yes cog is very very you know you don't it's not in the news it's okay like you know let's let's heat up the bunker let's You know, do we have how many aircraft do we have? Okay, we got we got contingency plans. Okay, where's the president? Are the nuclear weapons on alert? Okay, it's it's very you don't want anyone to know that you're putting on the bulletproof vest. It's
1: so, Tommy, explain what happens. Suppose we go back to the Theodore Roosevelt is is pulled to the side with 1500 cases of coronavirus. The uh, other Pacific base carrier, the Reagan's in dry dock in, in, in Osaka, Japan. And the Chinese decide to to make a move towards Taiwan. What's happening as far as continuity of government to make sure that if this flares, there is continuity in control?
0: So what do I think in my not cleared on any back channels from my just obsessive reading of that? I would say that you're so some of the bunkers are kept just fire ready to go 24 7. you would never know inside whether or not there is or isn't nuclear war they're always pristine popping and i would venture to say that that's norad um mount weather and raven rock for for this i would say that the first thing they're doing is probably just quite literally upping these the nearby because it's a relocation arc so what it is is they have bunkers in this entire arc from kind of sounds almost like from like boston like you know if your pivot was in here almost swinging down to probably where i am about maryland you have this whole arc so it's wherever you are you can dip down real quick and jump below the sur- literally jump below the surface so i would say that you're probably moving those from the skeleton crew to more and more people you're sending in physicians so they're ready to go. You're, having, you're getting all the generators up and going, testing all the air filtration systems. I would say that they are the top successors. I would say that their security is probably beefed up. I would say that things where they normally sort of get the leftovers, you know, priority one is the president. I would say that they probably very subtly, wherever they are, there might be an extra helicopter or an extra second helicopter. I would say, you know, Secretary of the Treasury, let's say he's giving a speech in Boston or something. I would, and you know that he's going to be up there for four days. I think you would have all those bunkers very quietly, stocked to capacity, all the lights on, get everyone going. Um, You would have, yeah, really, I would say the very top people, wherever they are you're giving a speech in Atlanta and then Miami okay I would make sure everything from Atlanta to Miami is just prepped and ready to go um, And then for the lesser successors, I think you're probably keeping tabs on them more okay you know coronavirus is hitting the the Roosevelt now all of a sudden the 20th in line I think you might say he you know he gets an extra... I don't know. Maybe you sign a helicopter. Maybe just wherever he is, there's always just like a a Secret Service driver, you know, some armored truck, some tactically trained driver. And again, it would be, okay. you're going to be in this area. You're going to hit one of these couple bunkers. It would be one thing they do is they make sure all the legislation is up to date because they have legislation on the shelves ready to go for
1: sitting with the blanks to be
0: filled in, right? Yeah, literally yeah, it, they said uh, like Mad Lib what is that's the quote Mad Lib style. You have yes. the first thing you do as president is you initial all of them so they're ready to go. But yeah, you go in and you take it off the shelf on this June 9th of t- 2020 years anno domini due to coronavirus 19 pandemic, we are suspending this 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 and that. This is the new acting director of this I would say that's probably what they're doing is it's, you're really almost, it's like you can hear like the the thunder of the guns in the distance. What you're starting to do is you're starting to lock all the doors aside from the necessary ones. You're, hey, everyone, let's get an ammo count. It's it's kind of what that is, is you're just, you know, it's um last week I was here by myself, family out of town, but all the riots are going off. I'm in a place that's not touched by it. But even then I could say that there was my little cogcon. I normally don't leave lights on at night I kept a light on and like and, like the upstairs and the downstairs I made sure every door was locked and I yeah kind of just made sure where everything was I was like it's nowhere near me the nearest riots are probably Baltimore like 200 miles away but it was like I went from like Cogcon 5 to Cogcon 4 not much. Flipped on a couple extra lights. May or may not have had a crowbar next to the bed. Like, let's just... Okay. If if it got closer, let's say I was in Baltimore visiting my friends. I can imagine... Well, I don't have one anymore. I would imagine I would probably, if I still had it, I would imagine I would, I would keep my Glock on me. Mm-hmm. I highly doubt I would sleep. If I was in Baltimore, I think I'd be making plans to get out the next day. But let's say the sun's setting. I'd probably make some coffee. And be like, okay, I'm I'm staying up tonight. It's and I need to get out of here. COG-CON one would be like you're firing the gun, you're getting under, you know, you're getting beneath the table. But it's all just is something. Is there an active shooter in the area? Okay, maybe it's ten miles away. Probably still gonna lock the doors just because, in relation to the norm, things are kind of getting hairy. So I would say that that's probably going on. Yeah, with the with the carriers. I would say that's probably very quiet we're seeing some we're seeing some less quiet um riots in dc trump went to the bunker it's trending yeah. on twitter bunker bitch baby bitch whatever that you're whatever if you think that this hasn't gone on since fdr fdr literally had a ramp to go down to the treasury bunker down to the vault because that was the first bunker where we had all the gold, to just we're going to put the president down there. If you don't think it's that this you know how yeah. far
1: you come from the stuff you're. That we're going to talk about today, and that you've been teaching us a little bit about here from from the the first time, and hopefully the only time that the the White House was actually abandoned, and Dolly Madison took the key to the Russian ambassador and left it with him. Yeah, good, and they left town.
0: Yeah, in good. And faith. Turned
1: off the lights, and you know that was it. Yeah. Yeah. And now we've got this this incredibly complex industry that nobody, except for a few very smart people uh, like yourself and other people that have read these books, know about. Yeah. Uh, and what what was it that made it re- made us realize? Wait a minute, our whole way of life is is vulnerable here in one fell swoop in in a matter of seconds. Mm. Our entire system of government can be wiped from the face of the earth.
0: Mm. Yeah it's in it i believe they said yeah they go through all these different things but it started with fdr i think the first thing was is when they said that his motorcade got lost in like the grand canyon or something it was yes. that's right at the beginning and it's just like it was just some random i don't know maybe late 30s or something or it might have been 40s because i think they're trying to get in touch with them they had no idea where he was and it was like you know, we weren't at war yet but it's like well all of europe is at war and it's just we're at a point where our wheelchair-bound president where is he? I don't know. I thought you saw. And they just—they were just lost. And I think it started with that. And then, with Pearl Harbor, it—it it, it jumped up a notch. It was, what are we doing? Wait, like, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. What are we actually doing? Do we know when is shit going to hit the fan? It's going to take seven, eight hours for German bombers to get over the Atlantic with Japanese or what we thought Pacific. There, sneak attacks are possible now, and. What did they do? They went and got Al Capone's impounded armored limo for FDR, which I think is just the most badass factoid ever.
1: What a great story! Great story.
0: Yeah, and it was—it was the day of Pearl Harbor. Was it the next day?
1: I think. I I think it was the next day because weren't they sitting there at the White House looking out the window for German bombers? Oh yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah. 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 You're right. They were turned down. Some of the security people. They wanted sandbags and they're. They're like that's bad optics, but they put they put AA emplacements there, and then because AA emplacements were so rare because of, I guess now we're going well before that we are just lend lease, but they also put up like wooden ones that from a distance looked like AA guns. They, yes. They put a a an entire I don't know the proper military terminology, like chemical warfare corps or gas corps stationed full time at the White House. Yes. FDR had a gas mask, literally. So they just, like, clothes-pinned it to his wheelchair. Yes.
1: And it was, yeah.
0: And they're getting... And what was the next thing? Um, well, I guess this would be more under Truman. But when they said, uh, you're on a Secret Service... Or, no, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. So with FDR, we didn't have a full-on bunker, but they did build a ramp to go to the Treasury because there was yes. a vault there. And it was, if anything happens, that's what we'll do. And... Yeah, that's kind of how it begins, and then, what is it? Churchill literally went and toured uh, the Führer bunker.
1: Well, I think Truman went as well. Okay. Um, be- because none of us really knew the devastation of Hiroshima and Nagasaki till later. Yeah. And and Truman, when he went to Potsdam, I think he he spent part of his time touring Berlin, and became convinced that. Our our government was far too centralized, and could be wiped out by aerial bombardment, and that's what really started the thinking about needing to decentralize and to have government A, the B team, and a C team, and a D team, and an E team, and an F team, down to where the U.S. attorney for the Northern District of Illinois could actually become the president.
0: Yes, yes, in
1: the succession plans. so that's I think that's where it all started. And the whole communications system started when you were talking about Roosevelt getting lost in the Grand Canyon. There was no leader of the free world. Yeah. <laughs> for for a couple hours, I think.
0: Yeah. And it was just yeah, You're right. And F or Truman Truman was um he was what am I looking for? He was he was vis- he was being shown all the bombings. Of, uh, I think, Dresden or something. He was in an airplane and they just flew yes. him over and they sh- to look at it. And he said he didn't see a single standing structure. And then, with the dropping of the atomic bomb, then it all really changed. And now it was like, okay, even if they just get one bomber through, even if we, Curtis LeMay used to say, it doesn't matter if you shoot down 9,000 of my B 17s, if one of them gets through, but we said one will always get through. And then, once the atomic age came about, then it became all you need is one and what they i think they said when was the pentagon constructed 47
1: i don't Somewhere remember right in there yes
0: i know the department of war was founded on my birthday august 7th but they i think someone said the pentagon would have never been constructed I think maybe they started before the a-bomb was dropped because they said it would never have been constructed in the atomic world because, because they, it's a yeah, target you're right they started to look at it as it was almost like the entire nation was a 747 and DC was the cockpit and there was no door blocking it. And it's like, dude, you could just go in there with a one grenade or two bullets. Bam, bam. Gonzo. You don't need to worry about the rest of the plane because that will take it all down with it. That's right. And it was, way we, we need to start decentralizing. And But even then it was, what is the immediate thing we need to do? And it was... I think it was it was when they said the Secret Service went on a war footing. The president was no longer just you couldn't you could no longer get close to him. Basically, we beefed up security in World War II, and we just we never stopped. We, we're still on that war footing. Yeah, we're on a war footing. You can no longer get like this close to the White House. The president is no longer like well, he snuck away from a Secret Service detail when he was vice president, I think he went to yes. the bank. He kind of dipped out and did. they didn't know where he was. And,
1: yeah. Yeah, Yeah, didn't they say up until 1910 you could actually walk into the White House and if the president wasn't there, you could sit at his desk, put your feet up.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I think because when Truman got his first Secret Service detail, he, he was in his office and he realized that there was a guy sitting out there all day and he finally asked his secretary, he said, does that young man need me? And he was told by someone else, that's your Secret Service detail. And he thought that it was just cause the guy drove with them that morning and he's mm-hmm. like, Oh, I thought that was my driver's friend hitching a ride. Yeah. And it's like, that p- puts it in perspective. That's just like, Hey man, can I get a ride? Yeah. I'm also taken to the president of the white house. Yeah, sure. Can I just hop in? You can drop me off up here. That right. was like, that's what Truman thought it was. So that shows yeah. the level of just, I don't know, maybe false security because really up until the a bomb, cause even with just bombers, it would still take bombers hours and hours and hours to get overseas so i mean if you're in the united states and we got we got the pacific over here the atlantic over here you're not coming down over canada it was like you're not getting anywhere close like you don't need to be walking around uptight
1: that's right we didn't have any need for a standing military for yeah. all those years because geographically I mean, we were in a fortress
0: yeah good and luck. to a
1: lesser degree it was true of england for centuries and centuries
0: the moat, not the moat. The English the Channel, written. the English Channel. Yeah, you just yeah. It didn't matter. We have this. What are you gonna do? You got horses. Cool. You can't get across yeah. this. You'll freeze to death.
1: Right, and we we learned that we're no longer invulnerable. You know, the Japanese didn't strike mainland America except with a couple of uh, hot air balloons, balloons, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So we were very, very fortunate there. And the Aleutian Islands, I think, were bombed on one occasion as well. Mm-hmm. But this was a total change of, of thought about how we had to think about our... Instead of national defense, we come up with the term national security.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's,
1: which is a totally different concept.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's literally security of, of the state. It's Yeah, I think that's the misconception is national security is... National security. I think Ed Snowden said that on Joe Rogan's podcast. He said we think of national security of America. National is a, just a it's a fancier term, for, or it's a more, uh, it's more euphemistic for like federal government elite. Tommy yes. security doesn't mean security for everyone Tommy knows. It means Tommy security. It's my guys. So by calling it national security, you think oh United States, and that's that's not to say that the government isn't out here protecting the United States. They are, it's, but right. primarily it's up top it's it's dr strangelove kind of thing and yeah with truman i don't i don't remember what it was that kicked it off but they i think they made an official presidential bunker right they so fdr had the thing that he could kind of literally roll down with with truman they actually put one under i want to say it was under part of the front lawn
1: yeah something like forty thousand square feet yeah and they covered it up by the fact that the white house was being in such a dire need of renovation
0: yeah because yeah a, a piano literally fell through one of the floors and they're like yeah okay. well,
1: truman's daughter was playing the thing <laughs> yeah, yeah. boom it was yeah. like a thing out of the three stooges yeah really yeah and
0: yeah, they took that as a perfect cover removed tons of debris got yes. all this construction equipment in there noise we got to move the president so the optics are already there if we're renovating so they put in a massive, a massive bunker, and they had, um, what, what is it, um, almost like a mud room, a decontamination room.
1: Yes, with the shower and everything.
0: Yep, so you could clean off all the radiation, um, change of clothes for everyone. They had bunk beds, food, water, and the president, which is almost the case with all of these bunkers, only the president has his own place. Everyone else is on cots, but the president has his own little suite with a big old chemical toilet. And yeah, that's about it. Reinforced, I think they, they said so it could take direct hits from bombs. Um, but that was really just the beginning of like, you're just going to jump right underground. And they wanted it right there at the White House. so There didn't have to be any fanfare. You could just go straight down. And from there, really only progressed with. Yeah. It's, it really started with, I believe it's in Raven Rock when they talk about the Beard Lot Project, which led to the creation of the hydrogen bomb which I always thought was cool. They called Campbell in all their notes. Campbell as in Campbell soup, soup as in super, super as in the super bomb, which is what the hydrogen bomb was known as. And,
1: and rightfully so. I, I believe that the first hydrogen bomb was equivalent to twice the total explosive power expended during the entire second world war.
0: Including Nagasaki and Hiroshima.
1: Yes. I mean, can you even get your brain around? No, it's that kind of destructive power.
0: You can't. Didn't Eisenhower say he could? He understood it theoretically because he was he was the logistics master. Yes, but just really putting it into wait, what happened? Like wait, wait, what can happen? And they said with Truman, you got to cut me off, Paul, because I get too excited about this. So I, oh, I, no, I, I could go on rants. But they talk about how Truman, who in World War One, you know, they had the biggest bombs which were, you know, maybe like a ton, like two thousand pounds, these huge shells, and then up through World War Two, dropping all the, the two thousand pound dumb bombs. Mm-hmm. And then they went to Hiroshima and Nagasaki, where the bombs are equivalent to fifteen and twenty kilotons, respectively. A kiloton is a kiloton. 1,000 tons of equivalent explosive power. Then under the hydrogen bomb, we jumped up to megatons. Millions of tons of explosive power. So, it's the jump from uh, atomic bombs to thermonuclear bombs was almost on par with the jump from dumb bombs to atomic bombs. You don't really think about that, because most pictures you just go, yeah, it's an atomic bomb, nuclear bomb, whatever. You're just arguing semantics. They're all mushroom clouds. You ever look at a picture, any video ever of any atomic bomb testing? Where is it? It's out in Nevada. You can normally yeah. see the mountains in the background. Whatever. Where? Look at every single video of every hydrogen bomb. Huh? Why is it always out in the ocean? Why can't there's nothing to scale? It's because you cannot. You cannot fit it. You cannot fit these things. They are yeah. thousands of times stronger.
1: Thousands. Right. Mushroom clouds that are miles. Go on. I think wasn't it the second hydrogen bomb? that they said was equivalent to 50 billion uh, bombs 50, dropped during World War II. 50 yeah. billion.
0: 55 billion, because the head of yeah, the CIA 55. said, yeah, the head of, head of the CIA said, wow, that's enough, to, that's enough to drop one billion dumb bombs in every state in the Union and still have five billion left over just for good measure. It's
1: it's incomprehensible. And, and you are you are too young to remember that the terror that, that we lived under I remember, as a child, of the that bomb. they would show us a movie of the mushroom cloud, play the siren and they'd have us get under duck and cover like that was going to do you any good.
0: Yeah, birth the turtle. But we
1: lived in a world then where everyone was certain that eventually the bomb was going to be dropped. No weapon has ever been invented that wasn't used in warfare, mm. eventually.
0: Yeah, it was a matter of time.
1: And we were all certain that it was going to. So even though the whole idea of civil defense was how this always started and it always kind of came back to protecting the populace, it always wound up where you, what you're talking about, the continuity of government.
0: Yes. It's... And the
1: attempts to protect the populace always, always got abandoned along the way. And we just assumed that everyone will die except for a select few government people who will make some attempt to continue our way of life i mean there wasn't even provisions for the wives and families of these people at no. first
0: no yeah yeah which i
1: thought was real interesting is uh was it donna brazil who was the clinton uh she was a chief of staff or something that was yeah, an advisor on the west wing yeah
0: yeah 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 and they had the you you explain it you explain it
1: yeah, it's a great story it's a. Uh, Somebody else, George Stephanopoulos, had tipped them off to the fact that he had a little card that described where to go and who was going to pick him up in the event of some kind of a natural national cataclysm. And he told the producers of the West Wing and they worked it into their story. And Donna Brazil pulled the producer aside and said, I, You know, you realize that's fiction. That doesn't yeah, really exist. That's... We don't have those cards.
0: Yeah, that's just
1: not knowing that she simply had not made the cut yeah the, yeah that stephanopoulos had yeah and it's fully it's fully true the, whoever has this card in their wallet boy that's the true willy one the, the true
0: gold golden ticket, ticket. yeah right but it's great cra- it's crazy because because donna brazil she wasn't just some some citizen going hey that that's some ian fleming you know fictional right. fictional no it was she was on she was or th- or so thought she was on the inside and she said hey that's yeah. a, this is you're gonna lose credibility and then she found out everyone around her did have these cards back in the day and she just wasn't cleared that is that's exactly right that's where it starts to start to raise the eyebrows <laughs> that kind of shows just how on the inside people had to be and you're right, very early on, which is kind of an interesting thing, back to Truman, was that was it, I don't think it was just like conjecture, I think they actually thought there were like Soviet bombers on the way oh yeah, and he said he said, I'm not leaving here, he said someone needs to be here on the radio or, you know, someone can basically die on, literally die on the hill with me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he said, the government will go on without me just fine we've practiced these procedures we have successors but he said, like, as the, as the president, he said, I'm, I'm staying here, and I'm going to talk to the people and, you know, guide them through in the final moments. Um, which is something that they said you see with almost all of the presidents, which is what I thought was neat, is even with with, with uh, HW, not HW, George W. Bush, very much so was not on board with with, with getting out of Dodge. Um, mm-hmm. And even Jay, I think... This was in maybe Killing Kennedy by Bill O'Reilly. The talk JFK talks about like no, he just he has Jackie and the kids flown in. They're at a, up at a lake. I think it was during the Cuban Missile Crisis. He mm-hmm. said so like I want to be with them, but like no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not ditching here because it's. Yeah, but. But that's the thing is. So as these as your, your relocation arc grew, and it got more and more. Finally tuned which really began with i think eisenhower because eisenhower was like now we're testing these icbms and now we're even launching them from submarines we are now at a point that a bomb not an atomic bomb but a thermonuclear bomb not being shot by a or dropped by a bomber but on the top of a of a a missile going at mach 23 on re-entry so we are now getting to a point where the enemy can sort of just snap their fingers and the hand of god comes down on a city you yes. have this many seconds was it 1600 seconds to know that it's going to be here because soviet f- soviet subs right off the coast that said you right. can just you don't even need to do a full ballistic arc you can just pop right there right over right and so eisenhower really starts to look at it as like okay we are really all we are quite literally like under the, like the shadow of the bomb. So this thing needs to be and I, I believe that's when the arc, the relocation arc started, because it was no longer. All right, we need to get the president up to the bunker, get him on the presidential train. It was like, no, you got to be able to like you really got to Mr. President, grab him. We have four minutes and 11 seconds until detonation. Yes. And you got to be able to have equally um, hardened bunkers really everywhere. You really got to be when it's that close at all times. You got to be really anywhere. You got to be able. to, Basically, the president has has pan, basically has panic rooms up and down the East Coast, and I would imagine now probably all over the United States, if not the world.
1: Oh, I think you're probably right.
0: Because you got to remember, and when he uh, Garrett Graff wrote this book, he only has what's been declassified, right? So it's you know, it it, it kind of gets less and less sexy as it gets closer and closer to the recent events, but it's probably because she's not cleared for it, man. Why would he be?
1: I'm sure there's a lot that we don't know. This was all secret for the last seventy years until just recently. Yeah. I mean they we knew about about uh, Weather Mountain and we knew about NORAD but we didn't have any idea of all these contingencies and who was on the list. There's even been the isn't there a, a TV show called um, Survivor or something like that, where the some lower-level bureaucrat becomes president because everyone else is wiped out? First survivor.
0: I don't know, but it makes sense. I think there is.
1: I think it fictionalizes this whole idea. Yeah. And Tom Clancy did it in his Jack Ryan series,
0: mm-hmm.
1: where Jack Ryan is some kind of undersecretary of state who becomes president. Yeah. After an attack.
0: Yeah not only that is um yeah it's very real you have the designated survivor so you got your if you have everyone in one place you take one and you bring them some way out do you know on the night of the 2016 election john john i'm not making this up john Kerry was in antarctica what swear to god fact check me that's one of these one of the few things that i can watch me be wrong (laughs) <laughs> was in Antarctica. I don't know if that speaks to how crazy twenty sixteen was, but when everyone was there,
1: yeah,
0: it was either the night of the election or the night of the inauguration. I think it was the election, which is weirder because the election is not really a, a, a grouping of, but yeah, it, yeah. So jumping all over the place, but yeah, with Eisenhower, he said that this thing needs to be it. It, it needs to you need to get to a point where it's a reflex. I think it's, that's what Dale said about like shooting and being able to clear rooms and Delta Force and wink-wink, nudge-nudge, other government agencies. Right. But it gets to a point where like you can't be thinking, okay, well, flashbang just went off, and this is happening to my right, so if I can remember, A, B, C, I It means I'm going to the left. No, it has to be reflex. I go to swing at you, you're going to go like that. An MMA fighter, it's reflexive. They're not even going to think twice before they have you on the ground with their elbow on you right it's so eisenhower really wanted it like that it was to be reflexive because he said in the wake of this thing he said you're going to have men who have gone mad they're going to be absolutely nuts they're because for their country for their family for their god they're not going to know what was going on so under eisenhower is we're going to start to get really hardcore and it was also under them there that they started to realize that you had to have all these heads of all these different things. You couldn't just have the president and the vice president. You needed what, what was it, Eisenhower's czars? You needed yes. you needed people to. How are you going to restart the economy? You needed you need guys that were going to oversee all of this because you got to jumpstart the economy if society is going to go on. And that's when, as the as the number of people that were designated to survive grew, it's when you all start to run into the problem of most of these guys were like. You, I can't take my wife and kids? Like, what are you talking about? I'm not going to
1: go. Right, they're packing for, for a three-day trip and they have nothing planned and the wife's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Oh, you know, can't discuss it. Yeah. And the wives are pretty upset because all kinds of secretaries and stenographers and...
0: The war girls, yeah.
1: The war girls are are going as well.
0: Yeah. Eisenhower's driver, who he had an affair with. I mean... <laughs> They all knew, and oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I mean, FDR was literally in Warm Springs, Georgia, when he died and was having a, was having his affair, and not only that, but Eleanor knew. Yeah, and she, it different time, man. But
1: it didn't seem to affect her her uh, relationship with him.
0: Well, she she didn't want to do anything about it because she didn't want to affect the image of the office of the presidency. Didn't
1: different, sure have changed.
0: Different time, yeah. I don't part of me like wants to like salute her because it's like man just that level of like teamwork and president Mm -hmm. or in america patriotism the part of me is like man what a backwards time like poor woman how come she's not allowed to have someone that loves her equally but
1: well i think that there's probably a whole other podcast on that too. yeah yeah eleanor had her own shall we say peccadillo's she did she pursued you think so i do
0: I st- I started a book on FDR last fall and I never finished it. It was like forty hours long. It was kind of dry, but yeah, I got right down to the point where he was having an affair and El- mm-hmm. insulting stuff. FDR's friends used to say, "Well, can you blame him? Look at Eleanor. <laughs> like Jesus, man! Like I mean, that's look at FDR. He looks like the penguin and he's in he's in a wheelchair. Like
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> Jesus, yeah. man. But so." and it really so it starts to get almost james bondy ish with um did you get to the did you get to the well, what is it what's the what's the hotel the congressional hotel
1: oh uh, um i can't remember the name of it
0: do you know what i'm talking about
1: yeah mhm
0: mm-hmm. well it gets to a point where they had an entire i can't remember the name, greenbrier they have yes. a, a hotel about an hour outside dc where they literally went in and built an entire relocation area for all of Congress.
1: Yeah. And similar for the Supreme Court.
0: And this yeah. I mean, down to the point where they had they had their prescriptions stocked. They had desks ready for them. They had typewriters. They had everything ready to go. They had these huge freezers, which becomes the norm that the freezers will now double as the morgue. They had alcohol there. Just in case any any senators were had to get weaned off. Yes. And it was literally like that's how you know these guys are prepared. Um, that's how you know they're prepared because it wasn't just we have guns and food. They had they had whiskey to wean off senators. Yes. And they had contraceptives because they knew all the secretaries were coming. Yeah. <laughs> hey man, that's how you know it's accurate. <laughs> that's how you know it's accurate.
1: It's real life. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, Shit! In the time of JFK, that and that's how they knew. That's how, you bet. yeah. And they also had they also had riot gear in case it got unruly in there, which they thought it would. They had riot gear and weapons in case they needed to shut down a rebellion. But it, what I thought was perhaps the most interesting, I don't know, the the FDR armored limo factoid. I think that takes the cake for me. But my second favorite. Would be how in bed AT and T and the government are.
1: Oh yeah, those guys working for AT and T building that communications network.
0: Yeah, that they, they have, they had, still have. I don't know why I'm saying had, had, had and have. Used to, be used to too. Uh, Mitch Hedberg, but they had, they built an entire network, not just. It's not that just they just they had phones that used. The you know us peasants yeah. use, and they add their own special lines. No, they have their own backbone, literally, for them. Own well, towers, relay stations.
1: Um, I love Mitch Hedberg, by the way. Yeah, so.
0: yeah. You, I still um, do, but, but used to too. <laughs> but yeah, I
1: used to too. Yeah, I used
0: to. Um, too. Do you want a banana? No. Do you want a or Do you want a frozen banana? No, but I would like a normal banana later. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alcoholism is the only only disease you can yell at people for. You're not like, God damn it, Otto! You have lupus. <laughs> <But>
1: <laughs> <laughs> damn it, Otto! Guy yeah, is an amazing. He was yeah. an amazing genius.
0: He was used to too. But, yeah, unfortunately, believe you uh, overdone. Horrible, yeah. horrible
1: loss. I mean, it's just he has some some bits that just crack me up.
0: He, he destroys unlike anyone else. It's <laughs> Man, was, was it him? I don't know if it was him. Man, I used to work at the fire hydrant factory. Couldn't park anywhere near the damn place.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Stuff is <laughs> <That was> great. <laughs> but uh, getting back to this, the communication network just for this. Yeah. Here, I, I live in the hometown of Ronald Reagan oh yeah about a block and a half from his house his boyhood home really and so when reagan became president he visited here a few times but they began preparations because they knew there'd be a funeral someday for the president and they put in one of these uh, some node of this communication network so in the basement of my church underneath the choir room there's this big panel in there and all around downtown are these big grates that are about four feet by four feet they don't match anything else and they were put in and underneath there is the guts of this system that could keep the nation's leaders in contact while they were here with the president or at the president's funeral and I walk over that grade on the way to work uh, every day, please so I've seen that actually take place.
0: Please send me a picture of that. I will. It, yeah, it's, it's their own thing. It's, J not only JFK but McNamara. They had their own car phones, in the '60s. Yes. The, I mean, it, it is insane. They talk about installing these nodes. They said they'd come in. You know, you'd be a new whatever successor to the Secretary of Defense, new Pentagon official, just someone who was in the need to know and whose um whose position and livelihood was deemed irreplace- irreplaceable. So they had to survive. They'd have these guys come in and install little I mean, comically, these red phones in like your bedroom. Yeah. And they'd come in and like the guys would say, I don't know where this goes to and I don't know where it comes from. They had someone else install that. Yes. This whole compartmentalization of like I don't know this, I don't know that like I'm not picking up this cord and following it like I don't want to know. I just, you know, I don't want any part of this. I'm going to install this and I'm going to go home. But
1: it's right.
0: Yeah, and so they have these they have this these line of sight um antennas and relay stations and and literal phone lines across the entire nation. And not only that, but they had doubles of most of these and so when you go up to one of these these nuclear part of the relocation arc and you'll find them they said it, it's always weird because you'll have like you good everything good yeah I'm you, good. yeah yeah you'll have like you'll have like a guard station like a little like 10 by 10 foot thing with like a toll booth and then you'll have like a 500 car parking lot and that's it and it's like yeah, right yeah you guys need all these cars it's because the entire all these things i mean they're hundreds of thousands of square feet a lot of these things they sit on um they sit on springs so they can move and sway with nuclear blasts and what i thought was the coolest part is a lot of these have almost like icbm silo doors they have things so after the original pulse of the sun vaporizes everything except for these which i still think is classified just what the concrete's made of what happens is these they have bulldozers so they have bulldozers which they can bring out of hardened bunkers and these bulldozers sweep off this area and then like a missile silo door this thing will move and these big antennas come out almost like a satellite it gets launched and then unfurls they yes. literally have this thing so after everything is after they're their secret backbone has been wiped out because it doesn't matter if it's secret. If it's above the surface and a thermonuclear warhead goes off and it's 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit in the area, it doesn't matter. It's all turning to iron dust. They right. have these things where they literally sweep off and then these big years come out and they're all in connection again. It is...
1: Yeah. <laughs> it is... At the very beginnings of the internet.
0: Yeah. yeah. that. I think that's probably one of the most beautiful, like... Simple ironies of of history is this this thing that was created by before it was even DARPA it was ARPA this thing to keep you know, that was the other thing they talked about with all these bunkers they started to go, how are we going to communicate because what yeah. am i what am I the president of I'm the president of this bunker <laughs> what am I what are, you know you're the king of your own room like what it's that or was it LeMay I think it was Lemay 's number two man. He said, "Without my phone, I am the president of, or I am the general of my own desk." And let me tell you, it is not a formidable weapon. But yes. give me a phone, and I can, and I can wipe out a nation. So these backbones were so important that AT&T was getting these such massive contracts that when the Justice Department went to break up the AT&T monopoly, <laughs> the Pentagon stepped in, or the Department of Defense stepped in and said, like, you can't know why, but you can't do this. Yeah. It is vital to national security and the survival of the democracy, or and the or the continuation of the republic. Man, I don't know what's more of a, you're a lawyer, I don't know what's more of a smack in the face to, how do I go against that? It's...
1: That's a tough one. Yeah, yeah. That's a tough one, but they did eventually break up AT&T. Yeah,
0: I wonder what's... I'm sure they had to... We won't know. Maybe we'll figure out in 2050, but... Right. Have, yeah, but the other, so the factoid that I love is that they have on top of, on top of like all the telephone poles in the U.S., primarily around big cities, they'd have these like boxes that almost looked like transformers. And this goes back to the 50s and 60s, and it was these things that could pick up the light signature of an atomic or thermonuclear blast. And because, again, just, just gives gives pow- no pun, but gives power to the, the the power of these weapons is that they have a light signature that is different from even uh, supernovas and hypernovas in the universe. These things have a light signature unlike anything else in the universe. Which is splitting the atom, and it's there's like a primary and like a secondary like x-ray pulse or something whatever it is far beyond the scope of my understanding and this podcast these things could pick it up and they could triangulate it and they would pick it up and they'd be able to send the message to wherever the headquarters was i think it was the NMCC. it was wherever the, the the brains were of of this of this uh of the continuity of government infrastructure they'd be able to pinpoint where one of these things went off so even if a nuke slipped through and no one knew it was launched and it was just detonated they would know because they would they'd get the light signature and then they would be vaporized by the thermal pulse but they would send off a message before they are vaporized so it's imagine going around just being like a kid in the 50s imagine being into like sci-fi or or conspiracies and someone were to come up to you and say, like, "Hey, see this like telephone pole in your neighborhood? This is directly linked to a nuclear bunker in DC." <laughs>
1: you,
0: you know, it's. But these things were all over the U.S., and it's that's how we would like, one of the many things we would use to know whether or not a city had been destroyed. And it's, yeah, it's. It, it just still boggles my mind.
1: You know, what's interesting is today. I'm sure those are still in place. But now they also have sonophones that can triangulate the location of gunshots. So oh, yeah, yeah. in a large city, they know how to dispatch the police.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Well, they also used them. Um, I think they, they started in um, Iraq, and Afghanistan. Uh-huh. They put them on top of the Humvees. That's how they triangulate the sniper fire. Right. So yeah, yeah it really ruined their day once you could find out where it came from. Because then the turret would just turn. Yeah, send them to their 72 virgins. <laughs> Goodbye, podcast channel, YouTube. It's been fun, gentlemen. It's been an honor. <laughs> down, down to the continuity of podcast PodCon. <laughs> it's uh, which I have. Welcome to
1: the B team now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the B team, the C team. Yeah, it's me and Paul. Paul, you're taking over. This is this is Paul, this is Paulcast. Afterwards, um, <laughs> the other thing I wanted to talk. And don't let me keep you. By the way, I I, I can talk forever, and I. Uh, to let me hold you hostage.
1: I'm not worried about it. All
0: right, all right. I, I told some of my friends that the other day, but they are less, much less formal, and they're like, "Dude, shut the fuck up, shut up about that." And I was like, "Okay." But so, what are the? Th- and this is one thing I remember thinking about when I was younger was, and I believe you and I talked about this is once it got to the point that everyone had the thermonuclear bomb, it no longer became how big could you make it because it, it's diminishing returns. It's you need you need a cubed Explosive power to increase, was it cube square? You had to it was, it was, to add like an extra 10 feet to the blast radius, you had to add like another 100, 100 times explosive power. Yeah. So it got to a point where once we got up to Zarbomba, Bomba, 58 megatons, it really didn't, you know, what are we doing? And if that was supposed right. to be 100 megatons, yeah. It got to a point where you didn't, it didn't matter. It, it all became about delivery systems. And it all became about how fast can you get it there now it's you know and can 1600 seconds from a russian-based submarine off the coast of dc how quickly can we get it there now um because that's how you're going to chop off the heads the decapitation strikes of these of your enemy so i remember thinking about this when i was younger I, i was i thought younger maybe in college but i remember thinking wouldn't you want to over like decades even in your allies what you would want to do is in maybe in embassies or in in CIA corporation fronts wouldn't you want to construct thermonuclear weapons in every nation and city on earth and you I mean this would have to be the most classified thing it, you couldn't let anyone know about this but it would be wouldn't you want that there so if at any point in the future maybe fast forward to 2080, and for all we know, Great Britain is the new USSR, and we've been fighting them for ten years.
1: And we've already got a bomb landed there.
0: Not even one that you got to deliver. It's just there, right there. No, he- no heads up. Not sixty seconds. Not ten seconds. Just that is the decapitation strike.
1: The suitcase bomb.
0: Well, even that—that that still implies delivering. I mean, no. I mean, constructed it and it sits there, and hopefully you never have to use it. But it would be. Yeah, it would be you put them everywhere and in Raven Rock they talk about when JFK met with that journalist and they were talking about the problems of Berlin and how it had been taken over by the Soviets, but it was um, and then we had our half of Berlin, but I believe Berlin was in the Soviet half of Germany, correct?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. So
0: so we had our own little island of Berlin airlift, our own little island of democracy and right. I believe it was during the Berlin airlift. Was it Khrushchev at the time? When Khrushchev was really starting to make kind of make the first moves of the Cold War and Berlin airlift, and that's when the first tit-for-tat started that went on for the next four decades. But I could be getting times off. But JFK was lamenting about this to one of the journalists he had had over for dinner and just always rubbing shoulders with the, you know, the other snooty high elites. But he was talking about this, and the guy said, he said, well, you know, you got to look at it from their perspective. There's a there's a democratic enclave in the middle of their half of the country. Well, we got our own Russian enclave just three blocks from the White House, the Russian embassy, yeah. the Soviet embassy. Sorry, Soviet at the time. And they said JFK's knife stopped between his plate and his mouth. And he said, you know they have a nuclear, you know they have an atomic bomb there. They smuggled the pieces in in diplomatic pouches and constructed it in the attic. Just like that, if they detonate it, There goes D.C. There goes the White House, the Pentagon and I guess Congress. And the journalist said, yeah, sure. Why not? Entertaining the idea. And JFK said, no, really, that's what I'm told. The journalist still not buying said, sure, sure. And JFK said, is there something you know that I don't? And to me, that is. And oh, and they never found it and they still haven't allegedly. But to me, that makes perfect sense in this time of when it comes down to seconds, when seconds matter. I mean, Eisenhower, when he brought in JFK the day before JFK was inaugurated, Eisenhower gave him the whole tour, the whole shebang. And then what did he do? And he said at the very end, he he picked up the phone in the Oval Office and he just said Opal 3 and hung up. And like a minute later, JFK said, you start to feel it in your chest duh, 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 of a marine helicopter coming, coming down to pick up the president and no one else. Armed guards on either side. You try to get on the helicopter, you're catching a bullet between the eyes. And it was that was so they could take you to the nearest bunker. So if you just pick up the phone and say Opal 3, that's how quick it is because it comes down to seconds. It's We're no longer in World War II. There is now literally a flash and it's gone so you've got to be able to get under immediately
1: well the only problem with that is if we if we did that how could we assure that one two, ten, twenty 20 of them wouldn't fall into the wrong hands
0: and that's I, why i imagine would be that's why i imagine that we didn't do it is how easy does a false flag become Shit! imagine if you're a third party imagine if you're russia right now and you're finding out that we have them still in, I don't know, Beijing. Why would you not go in there and set them off? Divide and conquer. Right. Watch U.S. and China destroy each other. Or, what if you discover one in Moscow that's been there since the Nixon administration? Oh shit, that's got U.S. fingerprints on it. Man, if I want a war with the United States, it's just fell into my yeah, lap. Yeah. Set it off. Oh my god, it was the United States. It's. Yeah. But that's what I think of is man wouldn't that be the way to go
1: well but think how careful we've been with that remember when eisenhower deployed the 100 nuclear warheads to great britain but he left the cores in new mexico Mm -hmm. and that's during the berlin crisis right Mm -hmm. so i think we've been appropriately careful with this material if we were to start leaving Bombs around for a rainy day. I would just be terrified that Al Qaeda or somebody would get a hand on one of them, and they would not hesitate to use them.
0: Have you ever read Command and Control? No, that's by the guy that wrote uh, Fast Food Nation. Uh, Eric Schlosser. I don't know. That was a huge book in like the early two thousands. Huh? Command and Control. It's about like the nuclear silo accident in um, Damascus, Arkansas. But they tell the story and then, like, you know, they chop it up and they'll have a couple paragraphs about the history of nuclear accidents. You would hope that we had a good hand on these nuclear weapons, Paul. Holy shit. Scarier than any brinkmanship is just the the flaws of man. Yeah. Dude, holy shit. There used to be B 52s with nuclear tipped cruise missiles on foreign Air Force bases in Poland, that, you know, U.S. bases, that would be. Guarded by a Polish dude that didn't speak English with a weapon with no, uh, with a single, with a single pistol with no bullets in it, standing on the side of the, the spooled up B 52. And oftentimes they'd be higher than a kite. <laughs> Just, <laughs>
1: oh boy.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. It's, it's, yeah, it's, I don't think we have the control over it that we think we do.
1: I don't know that we necessarily do, but just the thought of burying them under all these cities. How do we maintain them, how, how do we keep them safe, how do we communicate with them in a time of crisis? Wow.
0: Yeah, I mean, they were, what were they called, Op- Operation Blue Rooster or something? That was um, in nuking the moon by Vince Houghton. They talk about which I believe began with the British. Was you're going to take these these thermonuclear landmines because why not? And yeah. in the case that the Soviets ever just made an all-out, um, you know, million man takeover of Eastern Europe, Western Europe, we would have these we'd have these things buried with our within our own cities that we would have to abandon. And right. it was just it was scorched earth in the 21st century we were gonna have these thermonuclear landmines and how are they gonna but some of these places were so far north that they were gonna be frozen and we didn't know if the if the um, the electronics would be faulty or, or what would happen so we were gonna put them in these big I mean these things that literally looked like landmines and we were gonna right. fill them with chicken feed and chickens and bury them and the body temperature and just of metabolism of eating and burning it off and pooping and going around reproducing that would keep it at the necessary bottom end of temperature that it need to be at above freezing.
1: That is so bizarre. I have no words for it.
0: Dude, it is. These are one of the more sane things that happened during the cold war. It's, it's, Paul, you look like you're tired. You look like you're dozing off. I don't want to keep you.
1: Man, I was actually, I was just thinking about one thing in this book that I did not realize that was real interesting. And that was those bombers that Eisenhower had. The ones that, uh, the B-50, I think it was, or was it B-49, that the, they were so big that the air—the wingspan covered a football field and the tail was five stories high
0: B-36 bomber
1: B-36 I had no idea how big those things were
0: they're bigger than they're bigger than our modern day bombers
1: oh yeah yeah and, and the, the fascinating thing about it was when the tornado whipped through that field out there tossed them around oh yeah tall. 116 of them were damaged and we had not even disclosed we had had 116 of them.
0: Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It came out in the news and it was like, wait, I thought the government said we only had 75 bombers or something, but yeah. you just said 116 were damaged. So were they all damaged? No, only 116.
1: How many do you have? Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was so interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's the kind of stuff that happens, though, all the time. You know, we, we just. We talk about this. We read these books, Tommy, and yeah, we read the unclassified materials. But the truth is, as far as what's really going on, as far as what's really out there, you and I would probably be astonished.
0: Jaws on the floor. It's this stuff isn't conspiracy. The, this stuff is—it's real.
1: Yeah, you bet it is. It's you bet it is.
0: I mean, think about the Ducc the deep underground command center, which in this time of, are there gonna be nukes in our own city that we don't even know of, they naturally came to the conclusion that, this is one thing, again, I always thought was, why would you have a bunker anywhere, but directly below you? If you are that important, if you are POTUS, or if you are chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, you really wanna risk putting this guy on a helicopter, I don't care how well-trained it is, you really wanna have there to be any time in between, When you hear gunshots, you don't want to be putting on the bulletproof vest. You want want to be already in the APC with the helmet on, right? Yep, that's right. So the idea of the DUCC, the Deep Underground Command Center, it was going to be 3,500 feet. A mile is 5,280 feet. So what, two-thirds? I can't do math. A good portion of a mile directly below um, the White House most of these bunkers, even the deepest ones are maybe, they start I mean the bunkers themselves can be these big bubbles, but at the, yeah. the surface it's, it's normally no more than like 40 to maybe 100 feet of earth. I say yeah, only, right. but this one was to be 3,500 feet directly below the pentagon an elevator straight down, yeah, sorry, below the pentagon and then there was going to be an elevator that went 3,500 feet down below the white house and then just walk across and they wanted this thing. I think it was going to have equal square footage to the Pentagon. And they, so we talked about Tsar Bomba earlier. So we were talking about all the thermo- 15 kilotons on Hiroshima. Um, yeah. Castle Bravo was 15 megatons, so 1,000 1, times more powerful. Tsar Bomba was 58 megatons. So you're coming up on just shy of four times stronger than a Castle Bravo. Yes. They wanted the DUCC to survive, quote, multiple direct attacks from 200 to 300 Megaton Soviet warheads multiple direct attacks from two to 300 megatons
1: mm. it well I I'm sure there's a reason why we need these <clears throat> this deep penetrating ordnance and the bunker busters that we have sure um, I don't know if the Iranians and the the uh, Afghanis can bury something that deep. No. But they can bury it deep enough that our regular weapons just can't get to it.
0: Oh yeah. Oh that's true. They said so this thing could take multiple hits from two to three hundred megatons, or I think they said it could survive two hits from a one hundred megaton bunker buster. Hmm. A one hundred megaton bunker buster. I mean it's and this was in the sixties.
1: What kind of damage would something like that do? So that would be designed to burrow be- under the surface before detonating huh. wow
0: and so we wanted to protect against that yeah
1: Yeah.
0: It, but to me and they never built it but to me that's actually one of the things Vince Houghton talks about a whole chapter of in in nuking the moon and I was so excited when he was like Chapter or whatever, the Ducc. I almost screamed. I was so excited because I couldn't find anything online after I read Raven Rock. I found like yeah. one poorly drawn graphic, but I wanted to know more about it because I thought I feel like that would just be the that would you would have to do that eventually. All this relocation arc building, all these hardening of existing structures, all this training. Eventually, it would lead to you just want something directly below you.
1: It's the best way to go. It's, it's,
0: sure. To me, it's it's the only option. In which you're just, in a
1: helicopter and a shockwave comes by and yeah, you wipe out.
0: doesn't matter if you're EMP protected. If you get hit with an overpressure of 150 PSI, it's... Yeah. Yeah, it's... So, that's one thing I just thought or always thought of is like... That's what I think they would have to have. And it's interesting seeing now with riots in D.C. that... It's when I had on Dale and Joe Teddi, former Delta Force and Green Beret, respectively, who, again, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, may or may not have worked for an intelligence agency. It's um, they talked about that. Let's say this was a foreign power meddling with us, sowing the seeds of uh, unrest, which they said is absolutely because they said it's not just that's what we do as in a country. They said that's literally what we used to do, yes. <laughs> like those two. Um, yes. So we we know they're gonna do it because. I have done it. Well, one thing Ted and I said was, right now is a perfect time to probe. I said things are so crazy that normal security is so heightened, and they're just protecting on these like hyper focused areas. That yeah. now is a time that you can maybe pull off some shit that you wouldn't be able to use to pull off. Now is a time to get some valuable data. You know, we always send bombers to other nations and see how fast they're intercepted, vice versa. Mm-hmm. And that's always, yeah. We we just did with the B one B Lancers on, um, on uh, Russian East Coast, I think, or Black Sea. Correct. We always do this, and that's we just gauge response times. How quickly were we? uh, How quickly did they come up and escort us? And it's it's formality. Um, But if you really wanted to do what the most valuable um, interception data you could possibly get would be something like on nine eleven. Now, it's the most dangerous because they might think it's war, but what you'd want to do is you'd want to send Russian bombers. Let's see. We know they intercept us here on a good day when everything's in your favor, but when, mm-hmm. you know, Mike Tyson, everyone's got a plan to get punched in the face. It's, that's what it is. Everyone has a plan to get punched in the face. Mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. 9-11, you're punched in the face. So what you would want is 9-11 is a day where you'd send over, again, you don't really want to because it might set off nuclear war. You'd send over a Russian bomber. See how long it takes to be intercepted then. Yeah. that's where you get that valuable data because that's real wartime data.
1: I don't think we have any idea about how aware we are of those things or uh, what defenses we really have. They just recently, I don't know if you read The Drive, mm-hmm. but it's a website written by this this guy who's a super uh, defense geek. And it was just released that the F-119 F-17. Did in fact have an air-to-air role. Yeah, and was designed to intercept enemy tankers in the air-to-air roles. Yeah, and that that was kept secret for the last 40 years. Uh, and they kept saying, "Oh no, the thing's unstable. It's not a fighter. It, you know, it, it's strictly a bomber, a to ground attack aircraft." When the whole time. Who knows how many of these things have been out there shadowing these russian reconnaissance planes and chinese reconnaissance who know and they're still active today what is it seven years after they were officially retired they're still flying over taupano yeah and tonapa yeah and so they're still out there and we don't even know and that's something that they designed it in the 70s
0: yeah i mean i had on this episode 110 on friday episode 108 i had on david libby who is a former air former usa usaf veteran and former base historian for hallman air force base and he knows all about the Mm f-117 he's he was cleared to to um interview generals and fighters back when it was still classified it's his favorite plane i sent him that link because I had had him on before. I had had him on twice before. I sent him that link last week. Mm-hmm. And that's when we decided to do a podcast because he said, I didn't know about that.
1: Oh, there you go.
0: So he called his boss, who is cleared even higher than him, who mm-hmm. he had not talked to, he said, in 20 years. And they talked on the phone for a half hour. He said his boss didn't know about it. So his wow. boss is coming on next Wednesday to talk about wow. it. Wow. But yeah. Because they, he said he had no idea. He said they were talking to each other. He said they were both on the phone. They said just slack-jawed. Going, how? Where? What? How would you? So that, But that's what I said is what you're alluding to. That's what I said to him. I said, that, that just makes you think, how high does this stuff go? How classified and compartmentalized does this stuff go? It's, I mean, they talked about, you know, there's, 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 um, there's classified or there's confidential classified secret top secret and above top secret is special compartmentalized or special access programs sap and i think above that is as tssci top secret special compartmentalized intelligence yeah back to Raven Rock, they said that there was one even higher than that and it was called furtherance which if there isn't a more badass code name but it was It's a good one yeah they said that was an, on a report given to um Kissinger. It's called furtherance.
1: Yeah.
0: And it was just about, it was about these continuity of government things. It's, I mean, dude, one of the things, what one of the plans was just in case all of our, all of our, uh, just in case we couldn't get in touch with anyone to f- be able to fire a retaliatory strike. We had things called um, RCBMs, which were, they were ICBMs, but instead of a nuclear warhead, we put a, a radio beacon in the tip. Mm-hmm. And these would have a, a a one-time code that, whereas every nuclear silo is independent of one another, even if they're lined up on the same field, they're all independent of one another. Different keys, different codes, different power sources. They they had these RCBMs. And I think they said they had something like four of them out near NORAD. And it would be, in case we can't get in touch, and I, I think this was Raven Rock, they talked about this. Mm-hmm. In case we can't get in touch with any of these silos, we have these things that would shoot north, south, east, west, and they would go broadcasting this almost, almost master key to all the ICBMs. So as these things streaked across the nation, you would just see ICBMs taking off one after another, and it was yeah. to launch everything to their predetermined targets. Oh. Another thing was a huge plane they had that had a five-mile-long... Ultra low frequency, or extremely low ELF, ELF, which is lower than ultra low. Mm-hmm. Extremely low frequency antenna, where the wavelength is something in the miles instead of like millimeters. It's they have these big things up to five miles long. Their antennas, and you would you slowly unleash them from a plane, and the plane would go in a holding pattern, about a mile long, in c- circumference, and it would just do. And as it released this thing it would start trailing it and form, just like if you were to take a rope and do that, and it forms this coil, you would form these big coils, you know, a mile tall and a mile wide. You could, and you, because it's on a plane, you could deploy these anywhere in the world. And with these, you could send go codes to nuclear submarines.
1: Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thing in this book that I found most disturbing and probably the most valuable. We've heard a lot of talk about the deep state Mm. and how our country is really run by these entrenched elite
0: bureaucrats.
1: And that nobody ever really affects that. And it just continues and continues. This book disclosed that toward the end of the Nixon administration, Oh, yeah. That Kissinger, who's like Mr. Deep State.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Had instructed the the Secretary of Defense that, hey, listen, in case Nixon gives any military orders launching anything like that, you run it by me first.
0: Mm -hmm. And he did. Because
1: I think he's drinking too much and he's depressed. Yeah. And so you have the non-elected Secretary of State.
0: Foreign-born
1: foreign-born and a confirmed internationalist who's taken the authority over the nation's nuclear launch capability and then when nixon got on board air force one after he resigned
0: before he resigned
1: watching and listening to
0: before he resigned
1: yes before he resigned he's waiting for ford to be sworn in and he thinks he's still the president and he ordered them to, t- to transport the black bag with him, the football with the codes. And it turns out they didn't do it; they kept it. They didn't even so put it for on that the plane. time, from when he took off until it was passed on to Gerald Ford, who had that power. Kissinger.
0: Think about that: the president impeached. He, that, I don't know what he was still president. He, I think you're. I think you're right. I think he may have resigned, but he was still technically president. And he just yes. got on Air Force One to be flown home. And what, while what, during, mid-flight is when Ford would be sworn in. Yes. But he is president up until that point. And he was on board. And, yeah, they said drinking heavily, had been for a couple of days. He ordered his martini. I've listened to it. So, what is it? Shaken nuts, stirred lightly. And, the, yeah, they the, the guy literally knew exactly that's what type of thing Yeah, 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 that's Yeah, yeah. Gen- served served chilled served immediately and it's um <laughs> but yeah and he's looking at the clocks and he's you know but what he had said the day before is I want to assure the American people that I will still be the president and I will still be in control of the nuclear the the suitcase the, the black bag up until the final second because yes. that is like like uh Garrett Graff said he goes there's not the United States doesn't have a, a throne or a crown or a scepter maybe the the desk in the Oval Office, but really that that you pass on to the next leader said really, our sovereignty, our holy grail, is the suitcase. whoever has that that is that's the real politic that's that's beyond the words of I'm the president that is i don't know i can I can vaporize your nation in a half an hour, so that's the real okay you are you are the head honcho, you're in charge, you have the gun it's not just written on paper it's you can tell me that you can't. I can't come in into your house, and it's a gun-free zone. But if I have the gun, I'm in. I'm in control. Nixon said, "I have the bombs." Correct. But Kissinger went to. Like, yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember the name of the guy, but he said, "Yeah, don't. If if Nixon if Nixon goes on any madman uh, thing in his final hours, drinking heavily, depressed, uh, ashamed, don't run it by me first and I'll tell you whether or not to go right don't put the bag on the plane with him and not only that and don't tell him any of this and that's what happened
1: Yeah.
0: if that, you're right man if that doesn't give a little legitimacy to the idea of this of a deep state and not only that, if there was a deep state man, all you would need to do is you guys just stay in the bunkers the rest, whatever's going on on the surface, that would all be for show. Exactly right. It really wouldn't matter. If you were in the bunkers, you are the entrenched power structure that does not move. You are the That's secret right. AT&T backbone. It's, the, rest is, the rest is bread and circus.
1: Yeah, and the president and his top advisors don't have any idea who these people are.
0: No.
1: Or what they're doing or where they are.
0: Mm-hmm. None. Yeah, it's yeah, it's always. I mean, they talked about with that with some of the, some of the like UFO programs, um, Blue Book, um, I don't know anything. Project Grudge, Project Sign, a lot of these things is it wouldn't be the head, wouldn't be who you'd think it would be. Here's this group of officials. It's the head, no, because the head, the head changes. The head can be voted in or out or appointed who would often be the gatekeeper to this stuff would just be one of the lower guys. Was is it one of the Star Wars movie w- where that's what I remember being when I was little. It's one of the things where it's like the queen isn't actually the queen, the queen is one of the, like the guards and it was like a safety okay. protocol.
1: Oh, uh, maybe it is Star Wars. I I, don't I know what you're talking about, and I can't quite place it.
0: I think I was like eight I or think nine. It is
1: the Princess of Nabu, or whatever, yeah. or something like that,
0: would have been like the late '90s. That's yeah, I, I yeah. always remember where it's like the, the the print the yeah the princess or the queen is actually just another person, and the real queen is one of the guards, and it's a security protocol because no one's going to go for that guard. That
1: picture that was released the other day of Queen Elizabeth's body double no yeah they showed her she's been working for the queen for over 30 years Jesus
0: Christ
1: and she goes places and tests them out and I mean as the queen it was real interesting no that Jesus excuse you know these people exist I mean we know they
0: do oh absolutely yeah it it makes no sense why you wouldn't it's um but yeah it's if there were to be yeah an entrenched structure that's what it would be it would it would be someone that you don't it would yeah it would be it'd be someone like um i don't know yeah it'd be like the secretary it'd be like the it'd be like the secretary of state is like the actual president or something right that's what it would be I, and you wouldn't know and right. maybe even the the president wouldn't know but i don't know man when you hear more and more about this and it's a lot of who is determined Irreplaceable and who cannot their their work cannot be um, interrupted. If that doesn't give credence to the idea of a deep state. Nothing would matter
1: or it is literally deep. What? Three thousand feet under the ground.
0: Quite yeah, quite literally. I mean, man, you could have an entire you could have the real president. Yeah. Thirty five hundred feet under the White House. And not only that, the actual president might not know right you know it wouldn't just be like yeah that's the it'd be like Donna Brazil with the card she'd be like it doesn't exist and it'd be like well right. actually Mr. Trump that it, it, it does, it does exist there's someone under there
1: I, yeah I don't doubt it I mean the mafia's run like that for a for hundred years really? where there's just the someone out front that's the front boss and the real boss stays in the background wielding the real power or the front boss is out there taking the heat makes sense it makes a lot of sense, and our government run like organized crime makes perfect sense.
0: Why wouldn't it? Yeah, it's um. I'll uh, I'll wrap it up with uh, this this line. Do you ever listen to Bill Hicks? No. Uh, Bill Hicks, another great comedian, died in '93, but he has a bit about JFK, and he goes, "The entire world's run by a small group of people, just a handful. This isn't a conspiracy. Everyone knows this, and if you don't know, you're not paying attention." What I think happens on the day you're elected is you give your whole fanfare tour, you give your speech, and then afterwards you go into a room deep under the Oval Office. You go in there and it's the 12 industrialist capitalist scumfucks that got you in there. Bankers, defense contractors, it's all these old demonic looking guys, wrinkly white guys, no hair, uh, boils everywhere, and they're all smoking cigars around this big old wooden table. Looks like it's been there forever because it has, and they're all... and they're smoking and you come in there and they sit you down at a table and without saying a word or without saying anything to you one of the guys goes roll the film and a projector rolls on down and then this old grainy thing starts going and it's a, it's a video of the zapruder film, or it's a video of the jfk assassination but it's not the zapruder film it's from an angle you've never quite seen before that looks suspiciously like the grassy knoll and then the projector rolls back up and the guy goes any questions
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and the president says tell me what my agenda is we bomb Baghdad you got it <laughs> and it's,
1: yeah.
0: that's what really happens roll the film <laughs> Yeah. any questions what am I doing who's my boss what are we doing today oh we're okay yeah I don't know man that wouldn't surprise me
1: it wouldn't surprise me either it um, really wouldn't, but I don't know how that explains an, uh, an unknown, unpredictable entity like Donald Trump getting elected. If they truly controlled everything, yeah, you'd think would Hillary would be the president.
0: Yeah, that to me that makes perfect sense. It's I mean again, what did they talk about in Raven Rock? The Madman Theory. That was Nixon's theory where they want to they had they were going to have the CIA leak stuff. to to foreign intelligence, obviously anonymously, that said, Nixon's top guys, including Kissinger, they would all be saying, they'd leak these transcripts of them saying, boy, you know, Nixon's sure crazy. He's going to do anything to stop the Soviets. Like, he might even drop nukes in Vietnam. I sure hope he doesn't. But it's this whole, you leak it, and the idea is that, hey, you think Nixon's acting crazy on the world stage, and no, the reality is, is we can't control them either. So just, you know, I hope. But then you leak it. You don't say it directly. You literally leak it. And it's like, hey, we just got this leak thing of that, the of the president's inner circle all talking to each other like, dude, we don't have a lid on this thing. We I don't know who's in control. That makes sense, because it, if it is all an intelligence operation, which it was, Nixon was part of this. They talked about it. They planned it out. They literally were like, yeah, let's execute this.
1: Well, but it's happening again now, Tommy. So that's We've what you got all these generals coming out and saying the president's not stable. So we don't know what he's going to do. Oh, he's a threat Jesus, to the you're right.
0: <laughs> uh, oh man, you're right.
1: Yeah. Very Mattis, interesting.
0: Colin Powell,
1: yeah. And and um, Dempsey and a couple others.
0: Did Rex Tillerson? Yeah, didn't Rex Tillerson say something when he? Some left?
1: time ago. Yeah. I don't know what's worse. I don't know maybe what. You're trying to tell the Chinese, hey, you better not mess around.
0: Maybe that's what. The, maybe it's an intelligence operation, or maybe he is just that unhinged. Or both. Or both.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jeez, you're right. Oh Jesus, Paul Wickham I will let you go sir um, yeah so anyone listening Paul and I are going to do um, we're going to just kind of Bill O'Reilly fuck it do it live we're going to just create this thing as we go where we choose a, a, a cool book and we'll say hey we're going to cover this a couple weeks out and I'll read it or Paul, Paul will read it and it will come back in a couple weeks and just Discuss it like we did today with Raven Rock and like we did two weeks or last two weeks. Ago, I don't know. With Operation Paperclip by Annie Jacobson. And if you're listening, you could listen in and go, oh, cool. When you're doing it, you're doing it in two weeks. Listen to it. And then tune in when we put up the episode. And it's, It'd just be a way of discussing stuff. Because, I mean, I think some of this stuff is so cool. And it—and it, and not, not shitting on these things. But, I don't know, something like... Kind of mainstream. It's not like a hipster, but more like a ma- like mainstream series. I, I don't really want to do those because you can get those anywhere. I think there are some really cool books that are nonfiction that not a lot of people know about. Something like continuity of government. It's this book isn't classified. You can go get this book on Audible. I'll put the link in here. But it's you read it and it's like, does everyone not know about this? Right. You, you think this would be like a sixty-minute special? like but it's not and so what paul and i are going to start doing is um i don't know very loosely really no structure just kind of wing it see what happens is uh choose some cool books and choose like a date farther out and do an episode and chat about it i don't know maybe i can somehow figure out like live streaming i could figure out commenting uh, if people wanted to join in and actually interact i'd make an exception for those as opposed to other episodes that are not live but um yeah that it's we are we are figuring this out as we go this is not even beta testing we're just kind (laughs) of throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what works um (laughs) we should see how it happens but paul on that note do you have because you have now you have now read two books on on two of my favorite books and uh i think it is rude of me to continue to throw books at you do you have a book that you would love to discuss
1: I think what I would suggest is you pick the next one. That'll give me time to choose from my list. Okay. But I'm not prepared to pick just one today. Yeah. Too many good things out there.
0: Yeah. Let's see. I want to see if, uh, bear with me for a second. I want to, because the last two books I I already listened to several times, I think should go in blind with you. So you're not coming in here to someone who's got the, (laughs) the stack (laughs) <laughs> the the deck stacked against you um you know I don't need to do this right now in the podcast but I'll choose a book and yeah I'll make a post or something about it we could choose it and go through it yeah and I'll also put it like a month out so there's not this like week like you gotta do it you gotta do it now because that's not fun if it's not fun we're not gonna do it so um we'll flesh this out I'm, I'm blabbering right now we don't need to do this right now Paul Wickham. Thank you very much, sir. Always a pleasure. I'm glad to have someone else that has the same interests as me, and will indulge my my rants. It is a is an honor, sir. My
1: rants—they're great. <laughs> they are. They're great way.
0: I think they're great, but you know, I think that's also a, a sign of, of psychosis, where you think you're brilliant and no one else understands you. No one wants to talk about the nuclear bunkers, but. <laughs>
1: <laughs> a touch of psychosis never hurt anybody.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Touch. Of, yeah. What Joe Rogan say? Madness and genius are next door neighbors, and they borrow each other's sugar.
1: That's so true. There's yeah. a thin line between clever and stupid. Yeah.
0: Or uh, it, insanity is only insanity. The difference between insanity and genius is defined or is separated by monetary success. Yeah,
1: that's so, so if, true. So
0: if you're starting a company in your garage with a desk and you want to call it, I don't know. Call it Amazon, and you maybe sell books. Maybe your name is Beth Jesus. You're insane until you're worth 150 billion. So, yeah, you but you're insane until then. Make no mistake, you're insane until then. Till then, yeah,
1: yes,
0: yeah. So, um,
1: I'm not sure he isn't, but
0: he very well could be. Jeff Bezos is, I don't know, man. We go into a whole deep state conspiracy with that one, but um, Paul Wickham. Thank you, sir. It is always an honor and a pleasure. And uh, stay safe out there. Have you, you seen see- Have you seen any National Guard around you? Is it still?
1: A- uh, yes, we have an armory here in town, <laughs> and so I see them all the time.
0: <sighs> well, hopefully, hopefully this thing doesn't spark off. Hopefully, it doesn't.
1: It seems to be trending towards more more calm. Who knows what'll happen if they continue to disband police departments, like they're talking about doing in Minneapolis. If that, if that
0: really starts to happen, then I will fully believe that this is a foreign intelligence operation.
1: Well, it is happening. The nine of the 13 Minneapolis City Council members have already stated they intend to vote to disband the police department.
0: Veto-proof disbanding bill. I saw that. I'm having yeah. on in a former NYPD officer tomorrow to talk about mm. this in New York. Yes shit man if that starts well, then you're only a stone throw to uh, let's disband the fbi and then let's just dis- let's defund the uh the department of defense and to me that just says foreign operation Intel for intelligence operation
1: those are the next dominoes to fall yep
0: so june 9th 2020 3:44 p.m. Eastern at this time the United States is standing and we have not gone to continuity of government yet. Let's hope it, <laughs> let's hope it stays that way. <laughs> Paul Wakeham, thank you sir. Godspeed. Thank you my friend. Later buddy.